Welcome to the Journal.ie's The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Sinead O'Carroll, and this week, what's all this about a Brexit sausage war? That's actually an incredibly difficult phrase to say, but most regular listeners here will know that I love a good Brexit episode of The Explainer, but give me a title with sausage war in it and I'm truly beside myself, despite having to say it. So in the past couple of weeks, you've no doubt seen news stories accompanied by images of various Brexiteers, including Boris Johnson, holding up lines or bags of sausages. The sausage war is the latest row between the UK and the EU over the Brexit agreement. At the crux is the fact that the grace period, which currently allows for Northern Ireland supermarkets to import British chilled meats, is to come to an end. It's obviously a story that creates great headlines for newspapers, something that Johnson usually loves, but this one may have been a little ill-timed given the close proximity of American eyes, specifically Joe Biden's eyes, at the G7 meeting in Cornwall. How is this all going to end? Will British sausage be effectively banned from Northern Ireland? Is the new DUP leader going to be able to calm the waters in any way? I have lots of questions and to answer them, I'm joined by two of our veterans of the podcast, our own Brexit reporter, Gronini A and BBC Radio Foil's Dominic McGrath. Thanks for being here, my Brexit dream team. And Gronini, I'm going to start with you. Is this actually a row about sausages? What are we talking about here? It's a row about a couple of different things, including sausages and other chilled processed meats. So the EU has a rule that it doesn't allow imported chilled processed meats from third countries. So anything that isn't an EU country. And when the UK left the EU, it had to adopt that same rule. But because there are different uh, trading rules and standards in Northern Ireland as part of the protocol in order to, as we all remember, you know, keep a hard border off the island of Ireland, it means that when people from Great Britain want to send chilled processed meats to Northern Ireland because of Brexit, it's banned from basically doing that. Now, this is part of a couple of problems. I think they were called teething issues by um, Boris Johnson at the start of the year that the UK and the EU have been working really hard to find a, a kind of a more practical way around. But this in particular is quite difficult because it's not that there are checks on them or they're more expensive. It's that there is a ban on them. They only allow, the EU only allows frozen meats from non-EU countries into the EU. And because there are different rules in place in Northern Ireland, then in Great Britain on certain things, not everything. This has kicked up this massive row uh, between Ireland, between Northern Ireland, between the EU and the UK. Uh, and it's, it's all kind of all the previous rows about the protocol and all the same figures are, are back again. I was trying to think there what the British equivalent of a super value sausage is there, but I actually don't know. But at the moment, everybody in Northern Ireland can purchase their favourite British sausages in supermarkets. So that's because of the grace period, which I mentioned in the introduction. What is the grace period in this instance that is causing the issue? So when there were problems at the start of the year, the EU and the UK both agreed together, we'll put a grace period on certain things that are particularly problematic. And this ban on chilled processed meats was one of the more tricky issues. So they said for six months, there won't be a ban. You can still send chilled processed meats from Great Britain to Northern Ireland as if Brexit never happened. 
and, and that was done for a couple of different other different things as well, like agri-foods going to supermarkets in Northern Ireland as well. There was a grace period of three months in place for that. So that was agreed and that was all fine. But what happened was the UK back in March in relation to agri-foods decided to unilaterally, without the EU's agreement, extend it even further for agri-foods. And that really annoyed the EU. They launched legal action because it was basically a breach of the trade agreement between the EU and the UK that had just freshly been agreed just before Christmas. And that re- that kind of set tensions. And it kind of simmered down then after the 1st of April date for those types of checks uh, came and went. And why it's all flaring up again now is that for the chilled processed meats, where there should be a complete ban on them, the date for that expiring, that grace period, is the 1st of July. So June has become this kind of back and forth about what should be allowed, what shouldn't be allowed, about the UK should make a concession, the EU should be making a concession. A lot of EU leaders and UK leaders are saying we need a practical, a common sense approach, but there's no agreement on what practical or what common sense is. Yeah, I was going to ask, and then I thought, yeah, that's an impossible question. When we hear the phrase unilateral action, can you just explain what that means? Yeah, so in a trade agreement, you can't between the EU and the UK, the UK can't just decide itself what the trade agreement will be. Both sides need to say, well, this is what we want, this is what you want, and you come to an agreement. When that deal was struck after years of them um, leading up to this trade agreement and months of kind of back and forth about what what would be in place, particularly around what arrangements would be in place in Northern Ireland. When that was all agreed and implemented, there was an acceptance that there would be some teething problems or some difficulties with, because all these businesses were basically adopting to a whole new way of trading, a whole new way of sourcing products and items and all that. So there was an acceptance that things would be tricky at the start. And so much so that the EU and the UK decided, right, we're both going to agree to these grace periods for a little to give everyone a bit of a breather. But what happened in March was that the UK decided actually that grace period of three months were going to turn into nine months without getting the EU's approval for it. So basically, the UK decided when we are sending stuff from Great Britain to Northern Ireland, agri-foods going to supermarkets in particular in this case, we're not going to, we're going to say that uh, EU checks aren't needed for them. We're going to decide that they can just be sent without any kind of bureaucratic barriers, despite what was agreed in the trade agreement between the EU and the UK just before Christmas. So that is pretty much a breach of international law. The UK said it says it isn't because it's a grace period. Um, and basically, it's kicking a can down the road. It's not really sure what what is going to be done. Uh, but what it means is, number one, is that this issue isn't resolved yet still. And number two, things are very, very tense between the EU and the UK right now. People have also mentioned medicines as a, another potential problem within this discussion. Is that the same grace period or a different grace period? There's kind of four main grace periods relating to different checks or bans. So there is supermarket agri agri food goods going from Great Britain to Northern Ireland. That was meant to be a three month get grace period. The UK unilaterally extended that till October. There is the custom declarations for parcels that was due to um, be a three month uh, grace period. There's the chilled meats products, right? So that is actually 
not a, a grace period on checks. That was meant to be a complete ban. And that was meant to be six months. And then there is the medicines um, issue, medicines going from Great Britain to Northern Ireland, which is meant to be a 12 month adaptation period where medicines can continue to be sent from Great Britain to Northern Ireland as uh, jurisdictions adopt kind of the new arrangements. But they're all very, very difficult. And, you know, what is said about the chilled meat um, issue in particular is that if we can't even agree something on this, how are we going to deal with something as difficult as medicines for people, which is much more urgent uh, at the end of December? Yeah. And so, so we've already seen kind of the big guns get involved. Joe Biden was in Cornwall this week, as I mentioned, bef- uh, last week as well, before the G7 met. What did he say to Boris Johnson about it? And what did he say in the lead up to it that kind of kicked all of this debate off again? Yeah, it, I think it's just important to mention how important this moment was for Boris Johnson. The G7 summit in the UK, it was a big moment for, you know, his global Britain, his post-Brexit global Britain on the world stage. And, you know, with all these world leaders coming, when we haven't had a lot of moments like that during the pandemic, Joe Biden's first trip abroad as US president was really, really huge. And, you know, he was kind of hit from a couple of sides diplomatically over the Northern Ireland Protocol. So Joe Biden issued a statement to say he would challenge Boris Johnson on his implementation of the Northern Ireland Protocol. That kicked up a bit of a fuss and um, because it was the first meeting Boris Johnson was to have and it kind of framed the whole G7 summit. And then there were reports from the Times in particular was pretty at tense where a US ambassador apparently issued a, a a formal rebuke to the UK government for not implementing the checks that they said they would under the trade agreement uh, with the EU. And they said the more kind of pressing blow was probably that they said if they implemented uh, a concession of agreeing to meet EU standards on animal and plant health checks, that wouldn't stop the UK reaching a trade deal with the US, which is one of the defences the the UK has said why they wouldn't agree to EU standards because it would hamper them in other trade deals that they want to do all over the world. So all of this kind of spiral then against Boris Johnson, it seemed to blindside him a bit. And he responded and said that he would take any action that was necessary, including you know, the the ghost of Article 16 came back and he said he was happy to use that. Um, And it kind of flared up tensions from all sides again. And then he had a meeting with Macron, which was quite tense on the Saturday, a meeting with Angela Merkel, and then a meeting with the European uh, Union leaders as well, which was very tense by all accounts. So it really, it was a slap down from the US to Boris Johnson's approach to the protocol and Brexit checks in general. And it's kind of shown how tense things are, but also how um, hampered Boris Johnson is with what he can do because the world is is watching this this itch issue, even when things as big as COVID and climate change and all the other things that were discussed at the G7 summit are also on the table. And just to remind people, Article 16 was the focus of that massive row back in January when it became clear that there would be a shortfall of AstraZeneca vaccines. The EU actually invoked the Northern Irish Protocol, Article 16 of it, to make sure that there wouldn't be a flow of vaccines from the EU to the UK. Um, and obviously that was incredibly messy at the time even more messy than this current one. But Dominic, we've talked a lot there about the worldview of Northern Ireland and 
what Britain wants to do about Northern Ireland, but from where you are there uh, in, in Derry, the return of border checks on traded goods does present a particularly Northern Irish problem, doesn't it? Yes, it's remarkable how once again, Northern Ireland is at the centre of the world stage, dominating headlines during the G7. And part of that, of course, goes back to the fact that the Northern Ireland Protocol has always been controversial here in Northern Ireland. That stems, of course, from Boris Johnson accepting that there would be a border in the Irish Sea, much to the ire of the DUP and other unionist parties. And no matter how often the Irish government um, stress that the Northern Ireland Protocol is a technical trading arrangement. That's how Simon Coveney described it this week. Now, they stress it's not about constitutions. That kind of falls on deaf ears when it comes to unionists and loyalists here in Northern Ireland. There's already a case in the High Court here in Northern Ireland claiming that the Northern Ireland Protocol um, is an abrogation or a breach of the Act of Union. And of course, this is about sausages um, is, of course, much more of a, a fundamental nature than simply about trade that goes from um, east to west. You probably have seen um, the photo of the DUP's Sammy Wilson holding in his hands raw sausages with a Union Jack behind him and the words Ulster is British uh, proclaimed there. And it goes to the idea that, you know, when it comes to the Northern Ireland Protocol, when it comes to trade, it matters um, about identity. Um, and, you know, Grania mentioned the various issues we've seen and the various extensions when it comes to grace periods, whether it's whether it's to do with um, soil. Uh, of course, you can imagine and understand why that is such an emotive issue for unionists and opponents of the Northern Ireland Protocol. In some ways, sausages are the same. It seems ludicrous on the face of it that you can't move um, British sausages into Northern Ireland. But of course, that is what the UK government signed up for. But it really goes back to the fact that the Northern Ireland Protocol, as it exists, is perceived as a threat to the identity of Unionists simply because of that. It reaffirms that uh, difference in treatment uh, um, for Northern Ireland compared to the rest of the UK. And that's why you've seen so much unrest in recent days, including, of course, a threat um, to march on Dublin in the coming weeks. Yeah, and we have a new unionist leader in all of this. Edwin Poots has uh, become the leader of the DUP and obviously is quite vocal about it. What has he been saying and what does he make of the sausage war and the protocol as well? So, of course, Edwin Poots uh, replaced Arlene Foster um, after that quite brutal coup against her. And there was, of course, the expectation that he would be a more hardline leader. And of course, much of the anger um, directed towards Arlene Foster was based on the fact that she was accused of accepting um, the imposition of the Northern Ireland Protocol and the Brexit arrangements that so many unionists and loyalists had opposed. Now, Edwin Poots came into the role and he has made no secret of the fact that he wants uh, the Northern Ireland Protocol to be scrapped. Um, he has said that on numerous occasions. He has said that something like um, a veterinary uh, agreement between the UK and the EU, he's dismissed it as maybe a, a temporary solution that actually wouldn't fix the big issue. So he's made clear that he wanted to scrap. Um, that's in contrast in some ways to the current position of the UK government who have 
more focused on ways to fix it, negotiate, tweak it around the edges. Now, remains to be seen if the UK sticks to that position in the long term. But for the moment, in some ways, Edwin Poots is a little bit of a of a bit player in this whole thing, um, especially when you look at how this dominated the G7, whereas you know Joe Biden was getting involved, Emmanuel Macron was involved. It, it overshadowed much of the discussions between international leaders. And, you know, in many ways, the real players in all this are David Frost, Marusevkovic, Boris Johnson, uh, and the leadership of the European Union. So Edwin Poot has been angrily, I suppose, watching from the sidelines, calling it for it to be scrapped. But the moment that doesn't really seem to be on the table. And he's very much in the same position that Arlene Foster was in, you know, trying to oppose it, but from a quite a peripheral position in some ways. Yeah, and we saw headlines that Poots had sent Emmanuel Macron a copy of the Good Friday Agreement. What was the aim there? Was it to try and put himself a little bit more central to the conversation? Possibly, possibly. That was one of the stranger controversies um, of recent days. And this week, it was raised again in the House of Commons by uh, the DUP MP Gregory Campbell. And it was basically that according to um, reports in the UK media, Emmanuel Macron had suggested um, that in response to Boris Johnson saying, oh, you wouldn't like it, you, you can't transfer goods from, I think, Paris to Toulouse. Emmanuel Macron was meant to say, well, it's very different because Northern Ireland is not part of the UK now. Um, There may have been a sense that this was lost in translation. I think what he might have been saying was, you know, Northern Ireland is not on the same island as Britain. And of course, that was the source of so much of the problems and difficulties and controversies uh, of Brexit for the last few years. So I think that's probably what he was saying. But of course, um, Edwin Poots took umbrage to the suggestion that uh, the French president did not know that Northern Ireland is part of the UK. And, you know, he, he threatened to send, I'm not sure if he has sent, or if it's in the post, Emmanuel Macron a copy of the Belfast Agreement and demanded, I think, that the Boris Johnson um, schools um, Macron on the intricacies of um, Northern Ireland's place in the UK. Surely everyone has been sent a copy at some stage now over the last five five years. But this all has to be seen. This isn't the only thing creating instability in Northern Irish politics at the moment. So what's the wider context that we should be looking at, particularly the Edwin Poots role um, in in all of this? Yes, in some ways, for the last few days, these negotiations have been significant and have been overshadowing, I suppose, politics in Northern Ireland. But um, it's been remarked on widely that um, this deadline for Chilled Meats comes at the worst possible time. Um, Heading into July, it will be marching season in Northern Ireland as we make our way towards the 12th of July. And there already had been predictions even before this latest round that it would be a tense, difficult summer here in Northern Ireland. We've already seen riots and violence on the streets this year. And so there had been fears that any extra tensions, any extra rows or stresses between the UK and the EU, between Stormont and the UK government could cause things to potentially explode even further. Um, Now, hopefully that does not happen, but there is that concern that any additional tensions will make things much more difficult here in Northern Ireland in the coming days. 
Yeah, and that complexity probably adds tension to how people even react to this. I'm thinking like the, these decisions really impact businesses like retail businesses, agribusinesses, but then also tension on the street would also obviously massively impact a retail business. So what has their reaction been in Northern Ireland? What did they want to happen? So from the get-go, businesses here in Northern Ireland have taken a much less trenchant view on the Northern Ireland Protocol. That isn't to say there wasn't some perhaps grumbling, some concern um, as they had to navigate these new Brexit arrangements or even prepare for the end of the grace periods. But in general, businesses have really made do. They've taken a quite pragmatic approach and no business I know or very few, I think, have really called for um, the Northern Ireland Protocol to be scrapped. Instead, they're kind of getting on with it perhaps exploring or beginning to explore some of the possibilities um, that Northern Ireland's unique um, position may bring. And in some ways, um, businesses, we're already seeing signs of businesses successfully adapting. Um, In the House of Commons this week, the uh, Derry MP and SDLP leader, Colm Eastwood, asked Brandon Lewis, the Secretary of State for Northern Ireland, you know, what's wrong with um, Doherty's dairy sausages? And that was, of course, saying, well, suppliers and supermarkets here in Northern Ireland can get their sausages from elsewhere. They can get them from Northern Ireland. They can get them from the Republic of Ireland across the border. And there was that sense of um, some local providers are beginning to say, well, actually, we can see an opportunity now to provide to big supermarkets because, um, but the normal suppliers will be able to uh, once this grace period comes to an end. So there is a sense that the grace periods actually perhaps are working in the way they were in- intended to work. It's hard to, to, I suppose, get or appreciate the full out workings of it just yet. The businesses have not been entirely negative. Um, they're really just trying to get on with it, I think. Yeah, Gráinne, we're really deep into the podcast now and we haven't mentioned the Irish government yet, which is probably a bit telling in itself. But what has the Irish government said um, about the sausage war? I'm going to use sausage war as much as I can in the next few minutes. (laughs) Well, Dominic mentioned that Edwin Puth is a bit player in all of this and the Irish government sort of is as well. And part of that is because they don't need to do much. They have the EU leaders, France, the US, even Canada brought up the Irish protocol issue uh, with his meeting with Boris Johnson um, uh, at the G7. So Ireland doesn't need to do too much. The Thánaiste, though, uh, Leo Varadkar said this week that, you know, they, they're trying to acknowledge that there is disturbance and distress caused for unionists by the protocol but also says that it is the best solution and those who've opposed the protocol haven't come up with a a better alternative, you know, Um, and that's a really good point because there was a lot of back and forth about the trading arrangements for Northern Ireland that would keep everyone happy. And there isn't, there isn't, there isn't one basically, you know, so someone is, it's the least worst option that that we're looking for here for post-Brexit arrangements in Northern Ireland. Uh, The Minister of State, Thomas Byrne, told the Dáil this week as well that, um, you know, everybody keeps calling for a compromise and the protocol is the compromise, that that we've kind of been through this process of what is best and uh, this or something very close to what is in place at the moment is the best option. The Irish government are also big believers in that the longer this these arrangements are in place, the more obvious the benefits of it will come to pass. Because at the moment, 
there's a lot of kind of adjusting to what is in place. And the more time that lapses, the more you will see, as was mentioned, that maybe more local producers will benefit in Northern Ireland than those who may have been importing ingredients or, or, or products from, from elsewhere. So uh, that's kind of the, the, the Irish government are kind of keep it cool, as, as the Peter has said. And could we just get into a situation where the, the compromise, the protocol isn't acceptable anymore? And so we just keep extending grace periods? That would be effectively not implementing the protocol if they kept extending grace periods. And the whole point of the value of the single market is the high standards it's ha- it has. Um, so number one, it would jeopardize that um, through possibly letting in less high uh, standard products into the single market and number two it this isn't this is when you asked at the start about whether this is about sausages yes it is but it's also about keeping to your promises and the uk agreed to a brexit deal and if the eu lets them extend grace periods that lets them out of a certain amount of checks that the uk signed up to it is not good for future trade deals that the EU is striking with other uh, jurisdictions. Can I just jump in there? One of the best points actually on that I saw this week was the fact that in the years leading up to Brexit and of course in the years since we've seen complaints um, that the EU is unnecessarily legalistic, it is rigid and dogmatic and it's now the UK government is acting surprised that the EU is being rigid, dogmatic um, and inflexible when it comes to the interpretation of an agreement only signed a few months ago. So that's one of the perhaps ironies of the whole thing and an irony we'll probably expect to keep seeing in the months ahead. Yeah, that trade deal aspect is probably what has the international press interested as well, Grania. Like Dominic said, you know, that it was a massive issue at the G7 meeting. Um, what has the international press had to say, or is it just enjoying as we all are, like the sausage war element of the headlines? Yeah, they... they the it's a kind of kicking up the Brexit issue all over again, but on a kind of on a heightened level because of the caliber of the leaders that were all gathered. You know, the Sun in the UK were was saying that you know the report of Emmanuel Macron's faux pas was a clanger banger, and there's all this very fun language around uh, the kind of um, tete-a-tetes between the world leaders over this issue. And, you know, there's, it's very carefully kind of constructed. It seemed like a diplomatic ambush, really, the way Joe Biden brought it up before the G7 summit. But the way the UK press in particular reacted was that it kind of overtook events, uh, even with concerns about the Delta variant and the UK opening date on the 21st of June, which was huge news. Northern Ireland and the protocol still seemed to come up and and come up from nowhere on Boris Johnson. And it, it really said a lot about um, how even when he's trying to move ahead with his global Britain, this issue of what to do with trade in Northern Ireland post-Brexit keeps coming up to haunt him. Yeah, and one of the things, Dominic, that I'm struck by is the argument that's kind of continually used by particularly Brexiteer politicians is that the EU doesn't trust British products. Well, what's wrong with letting chilled meat from Britain in? There's nothing wrong with it. It won't impact your standards. So it seems to me like this is kind of just going to continue 
the kind of war between the UK and the EU on various aspects, obviously not just on sausages. So is this going to keep rumbling on until we actually set down exactly what the rules are for the next decades? It's it's hard it's hard to know at this stage. And um, we've all become familiar in the last few months with these back and forths between the UK and the EU. And it has become increasingly, I think, ill-mannered and tense. And at the moment, it doesn't seem like negotiations are going anywhere incredibly productive. But it is it's hard to imagine it going away, one simply for the reasons that the regulatory issues um that come with the Northern Ireland Protocol and the agreement reached between EU and the UK is complex. It will, we will still be working it out. Businesses will still have to adapt, especially if and when these grace periods actually end. So that will be difficult and will keep us all talking um, for a long time to come. But of course, it's also the fact that unionists and loyalists don't seem likely to budge from their position that the Northern Ireland Protocol should be scrapped. Add that to um, the current tensions um, in Northern Ireland at the moment, even just away from the protocol to do with the current stability of Stormont and of course the instability perhaps caused by new leadership in the DUP. It looks it looks difficult. It looks like the Northern Ireland Protocol is here to stay at least in the imagination of Northern Ireland politicians and the Northern Ireland public for a long time to come, especially with an election coming next year. And Gronia, the obviously the EU have counter-threatened the UK's unilateral action with legal action. How likely are we to see legal action as a result of uh, what's happening with these grace periods? Well, if they agree a solution in those uh, bilateral talks between David Frost on the UK side and Maros Sefcovic on the European Commission side, it might be null and void. It, they might waive it. That might be part of the deal where they strike an agreement. This is one of those things that it could be solved overnight if the political will is there, but it could also go on for months, uh, right up till that last grace period date on the 31st of December, depending on what the political mood is. Boris Johnson has this habit of being very strong vocally on the world stage and publicly, and then behind the scenes kind of making concessions that are quite large, uh, and then saying he's achieve this great diplomatic feat. So if it, it completely depends on the political situation Boris Johnson faces at home, um, the MPs were are quite annoyed with him at the moment, that might play into things a little bit as well. Um, what it, it could roll out on for months though, and that is the most likely option at the moment. And all of that depends if he extends another grace period that will add to the legal action because the EU have the kind of trade deal behind them to take it uh, it's just kind of where it ends up we still don't really know so we'll probably be back here at some stage again the three of us uh thanks so much for coming in and explaining all that before you go dominic what is the sausage of choice in northern ireland um well as a, as a, as a vegetarian i am fully <laughs> to answer that uh question so honestly honestly i really can't answer all i like is a nice linda mccartney uh vegetarian sausage very good thanks so much dominic and thank you very much grania thanks no problem Thank you for listening to The Explainer and a big thank you to Dominic and Grania for joining us. This episode of The Explainer was brought to you by producers Aoife Barry and Nikki Ryan. If you want to support The Explainer, there's a few things you can do. Head to thejournal.ie forward slash contribute to become a monthly subscriber. You can also leave us a review and rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's a really great way to make sure other people listen and love it too. 
Thank you and catch you next time.